The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23, and can be found in your Pew Bible on page 1516. Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it, and while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and they ate it. Now some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, The plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Now other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sold, excuse me, sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and he snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of the wealth of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. It is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, and I'll say it again because we know nothing, nothing good comes from any other source than Jesus. Amen. I'm going to come at this uh, lesson this morning two different ways. The first one, a little softer, and then the second attempt is going to take a little more effort on your part. 
You know, before I get started, uh, this morning David and I were driving up and um, on K-Wave, I think it's 107.5 or 105.7, one of those. Uh, J. Vernon McGee, pastor that was out of Los Angeles, is on there, and he's been passed away at least 30 years. And he was preaching, and, and he preaches, if you've not heard him before, a, um, what we would probably tag, for lack of a better words, um, fire and brimstone. Um, I mean to tell you, he just strips the listener away. And I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking about David, and I'm going, buddy, uh, I need to, when it finished, I said, I need to talk to you about it. I said, you know, one of the important things as we learn from God's Word and as we study God's Word, and as you listen to a pastor you need to know who the audience is or who the audience was at the time to have the meaning for that. So when Jesus is talking in the boat to the crowd, you know, who is the audience? And then when J. Vernon McGee is on the radio and he is talking about Christ through the uh, revelation of John, and Christ is described with white hair and eyes that are on fire. That ain't the lamb. That's the lion. And when he is talking about he being J. Vernon McGee, that apart from Christ, you're going to hell, he says, and, and you will be judged. And if you think you're doing fine, you're not. And it just, I kind of went, I got a little bit anxious. And I needed to tell him and I need to tell you that the audience, that the person that that was being told to is not the believer. Not the one who has been grafted into the vine. Not the baptized believer, the one who confesses Christ with his lips. That's for the one who is out there that thinks all roads lead to heaven. I'm a nice guy. Lord, thank you for making me like me and not that guy. That's who that message is for. And so in the parable that is to said today, told today, I don't want you to think too much about you. <laughs> I want you to think about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All right, here we go. Matthew 13, 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Now, some of you, I look out, and uh, some of you have grown up or lived on a farm. Have you, has anyone out there? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, there we go. All right, so... Um, some of you have not, but I would say most of you have planted a garden. Who here has planted a garden, right? And you know um, what it takes to plant a garden. You know that there's a lot of work involved. You know that in the planting and the caring of the garden, there are some things and some tools that you're going to need. And it starts before you ever plant, right? Don't you have to check out the soil, make sure that it is 
been treated, that it has been prepared, right? Would you plant on a pathway? Would you plant in the middle of thorns or in rocks? Well, it depends where you live. If you're in South Texas, there's a lot of rocks down there, and you spend a lot of time getting rocks out of those areas, and then uh, uh, you, know, you have uh, stumps that are there for years and years, and you go around. But anyway, pre- preparation of the soil is key. You need to hoe, you need to chop down the weeds, and you need to protect your garden from things that would uh, want to take over. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we had an area in our backyard that was um, really, really beautiful soil. It had come from um, a creek, and so it was really soft, Um, not the Franciscan clay that is up there that doesn't retain any water. Um, This was good stuff, and my dad, every year, would get out there with a rototiller, and it was a big rototiller, and we would go and we would get steer manure, and my grandpa, who was a farmer, would laugh. He goes, you guys pay for that? And uh, my mama would say, well, Dad, you know, Daddy, um, that's a long drive to go all the way up to Northern California to pick up some steer, you know what. So, um, but every year that would be tended. And oh, the magic of seeing it spring forward. And, 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 I, and you can realize and you can appreciate the fact that tenfold, I mean, anyone that's ever grown a, a garden of any size, um, after a while, it's overwhelming. And we didn't do a lot of canning. Uh, we did a little more freezing, but all of our neighbors got a lot of, a lot of vegetables, you know, a lot of tomatoes. Thank you, Peg. Those are delightful. Um, corn and string beans and zucchini and all that stuff. I mean, the abundance was an amazing thing to see. And I think one of the, the pointed uh, points that I want to bring out to you is how much effort did those plants put into growing? None. I mean, those string beans, they weren't going and trying to make beans come out, nor were the radishes. They always come up first. Nor was the corn. So when you hear this parable, I want you to not think about you. Am I good soil? Maybe I'm rocky soil. Boy, I want to be a thousand times. You are just soil. And that word has been planted into you. And just relax and let it grow. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. Oftentimes, we can take gospel, we can take any message in, this, in Scripture and turn it into law. And we can take this particular Scripture and we can look at it and say, well, you know what, I, I, maybe I need to be inspecting fruit. My fruit looks really good, now let me look at yours. You know, we have a tendency to want to, to personalize this. So, here, here I'm going to go a different way now. It's a, a little more work on your part. Are there pencils in front of you still? Will you guys write down um, just a couple of um, scriptures to look at in a, in, you know, when you get done uh, today and sometime during this week? The first one, Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and you can just put Matt, M-A-T-T, and 13 verses 1 through 9. Then I want you to write down Matt 13, 
18 through 23. And then I want you to write down John 15, 1 through 6. And then I want you to write down Romans. You can put R-O-M or R, whatever works for you. Romans 8, verse 1. And I want you to actually read all the way through today's uh, uh, Scripture reading. And um, I think that was, if it would be 1, it would be 1 through 17. There's your gospel, by the way. There's your good news. Paul wrote it. And then I want you to write down Romans 8, 6 and 8. We're almost done. Galatians 2, 18 18 through 2. And then also Romans 8, 9 to 11. These are all little bits, okay? So just uh, bear with me and, and uh, please take a look at them during this week. Why? Well, as I said earlier, um, there's so much information out there that's so confusing. And it's, it can, speaking from my own personal thing, this last week, listening to all the stuff that was going on, information overload, I started feeling despair. I started wondering, who's going to rescue us from this? Where is our hope? And here it is in Scripture. Here it is in the Word that never changes. And so I think, I know that as believers in Christ, baptized believers who have the Holy Spirit in them, that you can revisit and, 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 and partake of this seed and, and, and allow it to comfort you, and I hope you do. So Jesus spoke many times in parables. This is the beginning of the sermon, by the way. Really? You've been going on for five, eight minutes. In today's gospel, we have a familiar parable that we've heard before. And it goes like this. He told them many things in parables, and he said, listen, and a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. And other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly. And since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose up, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And we read that other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. And other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, and some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. And Matthew is, that's Matthew 13, 1 through 9. The parable had nothing to do with seed planting. Or did it? Are we talking about literal seeds here? No. The Spirit is the planter. And Jesus is the seed. The parable is about hearing the word of God. And Jesus interprets the parable for his disciples. 
He says to them, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another case sixty, and in another thirty. We are living in an age full of thorns. What was true at the time of Jesus when he is telling this to the crowds from his boat, it's equally true today. There are persecutions against Christians today. In fact, they are on the rise. Even in this country, this last week, there was a church that I saw the video, and you can go out there and see it yourself, where people were trying to come into that church, and there was a group out there that felt that it was their right to physically assault, verbally assault, these people going into a church. And that ought not be. But compared to other parts of the world, Christians are taken out of their churches and they're murdered. And that ought not be. And what we find here in this world of thorns that nominal Christians are taking cover Hiding, hiding their faith. And that's not an option. Certainly not a good option. This week on Monday, there was printed out in the California Department of Health manual in regards to opening up Houses of worship and we're in a time of COVID-19. In the past, it said it is recommended. There were recommendations, and we are following recommendations. But on Monday, it said churches must not sing in worship, must not chant in worship. This ought not be. Reading from the Gospel of John, 
John records what Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Do we have any orchard people here? I mean, I know you've pinched flowers and made them bloom even more, right? That's what he's talking about. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I as I ab, ab, come on, Kenny. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from you, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from the word, there is nothing. We weren't designed to be alone. We weren't designed to be our own island, as some would say. We were designed to be a part of the vine. And you here today are grafted in. And you were grafted in in your baptism where the old you died and the new you came up and you were clothed in Christ justified. Back to the parable. Jesus is the good seed. And the question would be, are we good soil? Well, we cannot be unless we are fertilized by the Spirit of God. We could want to be good soil. We could want to not be rocky soil, but we are not in charge of that. But we know the farmer. And we trust in him. And we find comfort in that. I mean, I don't want you walking away wondering, am I good soil or am I bad soil or am I rocky or am I thorns? You are subject to it all in this world, in this life now. So are you good soil? Yeah, you are. Because Jesus made that in that way. But you are living amongst thorns that are going to try to choke you out. Here is the gospel from Paul. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Did you hear that? You're free. You are free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law which was weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law may be filled, fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit." 
What does that mean, Pastor? Christ and Him crucified. Are you good soil? Yes. Why? Christ and Him crucified. Who's going to deliver me if I go off into the weeds? Anyone golf here? Yeah, they're all going, no. Yeah, I know you all were in the weeds on Friday. There will be no weeds in heaven. Nothing but long drives right in the middle of that fairway. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That is what our Father in heaven did for us. And Paul says that we can call on him and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I'm in the weeds. He'd say, I know. Don't be there. Come on. Let me remind you of your baptism where I washed all that weeds off and all the other stuff that's out there. You're mine. Get back in the fairway. Paul continues with this. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind is set on the flesh. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The people that were beaten up, people going to church, the people that are killing Christians for being Christians, the people that are doing all kinds of repugnant things to the family of God, the church of God, are in the flesh. They do not know what they're doing in that classic sense. That's the one. Those are the ones that Jesus was calling out for the Father to have mercy on. And we were once those, but not anymore. Why? Christ and Him crucified. Remember your baptism. Well, that's awful convenient, Pastor. Yes, it is, and thank God for that. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And here's the really icky part of all of this. Because even though we died a death like his, and we have experienced a resurrection like his, our flesh always tries to protect itself. And the last thing that our flesh wants is any sort of persecution. The flesh, which is our old self, needs to be crucified daily. What does that look like in in real life? I'm just going to tell you myself. The longest time, if you take a look at David, I was skinnier than him. You're not skinny. You're just right. I couldn't gain weight if I wanted to. 
Now I walk by a stick of butter and my cholesterol hits 325. I can't lose weight. And my flesh says, you know what would be good right now? A double-double, animal style, right? My mind says, no, that's not good for you. Have you seen the blood reports that you've had in the past? And by the way, how many times have you gotten stents? Ah, the flesh says, don't be a weenie. Go get a double-double. Get two of them. Why not? And a chocolate shake. That is the flesh. What is your flesh telling you to do? What are the thor- ice cream? I heard that, Helen. Uh, what, is, <laughs> what is your flesh telling you to do that's warring in you? And these are not mortal sins. They are just examples to let you know how we are all in a battle right now. And that battle has been won by Christ, but we get to experience that discomfort until we leave this place. Wrap it up, Pastor. Okay, I will. If I build up again, Paul writes, if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Have you heard those before? For me? This is his body given for you. This is his blood shed for you. This is the gospel. This is the good seed that you're going to be planted with and have been this entire service and will through the table here. The good seed that grows in you, that gives you hope. By the Holy Spirit, God has given us a promise. And that's found again in Paul's letter in Romans. This is chapter 8, 9 through 11. Hear this good news, okay? This will get you through. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, and He is, Though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he does, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through his spirit that dwells in you. We need the word. The world, the, w- the weeds, the thorns will choke us out. St. Mattress will say, I'll oh, just stay in. Today's the only day you got to take it easy. And that's just on Sunday. But y'all need to eat every day of the week. Amen? Why? 
Because it's life. We need Jesus. And we also need His Spirit. And with His Spirit, we are free. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and it does, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. That same Spirit that brought Jesus up from the dead opened the door to that tomb where he cries out from a tomb, I have new life for you. That same Spirit dwells in you. That same Spirit prepared your soil. That same Spirit seals you in your baptism. That same Spirit you were marked by the cross. That same Spirit will cause you a hundred times, sixty times, thirty times of multiplication for God's will and God's purpose without you maybe even knowing it. He's working in you and through you for His purpose. All of you. And that's good news. In the name of Jesus, amen.